everyone, and welcome to the Child of the Library podcast, where we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Guys, I'm so excited because <laughs> I just heard the cat meow in the background. That's so sweet. Okay, this is a little giveaway, guys, <laughs> for everyone who has listened to my last episode. Then, you know, I gave you a little teaser that I will again not be alone in my next episode. And for everyone who knows, I don't have a cat. So I'm probably not alone on this podcast. And that's actually very true because with me is American author and podcaster Mark Tullius. I'm so thankful that he is here on my podcast. So everyone give him a warm welcome in our bookish community. And Mark, why don't you introduce yourself and your cat? I would love to meet your cat. <laughs> Hello, Marika. Ich bin so glücklich, hier zu sein. Vielen Dank, dass Sie mich in Ihrer Show haben. Uh, das ist meine Katze Mitternacht. We, we call him Midnight, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's my, he's our youngest cat. Aww. That's so sweet. I like for for all my listeners who did not know that yet. I love I love cats. So this was a very special moment for me that it started meowing when I started to record my <laughs> podcast. Oh, that's so sweet. And thank you so much, Mark. Sorry that the cat is stealing the show. I will stop talking about the cat. So thanks so much, Mark, for being on my podcast and also introducing yourself in German. I'm pretty sure that all of my German listeners will greatly appreciate that, that they don't always hear me talk in English, but also get some German content every once in a while. And yeah, You are an American author, but as you just said and introduced, you have also started to branch into the German market and some of your books have already been translated into German. So yeah, we are a new market that is opening up for you and we are very excited to welcome you in our bookish world. And you even had like other German guests. I heard that in one of your last episodes because you actually have a book podcast. <laughs> do you want to tell us something about what you do on your podcast where you sometimes talk about your books but also your general life? Like what do you what what is it that you that you do? What are your passions? What genres do you write? What are your upcoming projects? Anything that you want to share? Awesome. My podcast is Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Um, it used to be mainly, well, at the end of every episode, I share either a chapter or a short story from one of my uh, collections. And so for me, that was always, you know, that's what I was thinking was the draw. And then I would talk about what I was working on or what I was going through or um, something like that. But recently I've been doing more interviews with different guests from the U.S., from the one that you saw was of a distant relative who lives in Germany and uh, his name is Marco Tullius and he's in a band. And so it was cool talking with him because one, I'm, I'm trying to find out more about the German people and uh and also i'm interested in playing bass and guitar which is he's a bassist in a band and so um, I, i interview a lot of people about uh self-improvement um and another big thing i just just this week i'm finishing my book on recovering from traumatic brain injuries because i do non-fiction and fiction my passion is fiction which is like horror suspense and sci-fi but i wrote one book on non-fiction about uh mixed martial arts where i traveled the country went to 23 states interviewed close to 400 fighters and coaches to try to understand why they were fighting and so i got that's where i really got into interviewing people um but on this 
book that I'm just finishing this week. It's traumatic brain injuries from, you know, everything that I experienced in fighting and football and car accidents. And that is actually the the brain damage book is what led me to start learning German because uh, learning a language is supposed to be one of the best things you can do for your brain, especially as you're growing older. And so that was one of the reasons why I even introduced a foreign language to myself. That sounds so interesting, especially like <laughs> when we got in contact and we thought about doing a collaboration, I was, I, I was really asking myself, why did he choose German from all the languages in the world? <laughs> why did he choose German? Because for everyone who is not German and has not learned the language, our grammar is so difficult when you don't grow up with it. And our sentences, we actually like when we were recording the other episode over on Mark's podcast, where I am also as a guest, we were talking about the very, yeah, very big sentence structure that we have in German sentences, where we really have got different grammar rules on how to stack sentences into sentences to make the sentences even longer and make them last a paragraph long. And yeah, I really admire everyone who wants to learn this language, like from an outside point of view. So props to you, Mark. I really look forward to see you also progress through your podcast because they, we can, of course, see the whole journey. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really love the idea of talking with someone who is bringing their work, which is in your case, your written word, your books, into the German market and to see them translate. I think this is one of the craziest experiences, right? That you see your own works translated into a language that you maybe don't speak as fluently or not as much as, of course, English. I think this must be totally crazy, just as much as for German authors who are suddenly translated into English or into other languages. Yeah, no, I uh, I, I love it. I, I have my copy that I keep on my bed so I can practice a couple pages at a time. But yeah, it is very nice to see, you know, and, and, and the German market is the only one that I'm really interested in it would probably make sense to try to get into other markets as well but one the german market is a very strong market uh, but then i just have i've always had an interest in germany that's where my ancestors were from and i want to travel there i, I just think it would be amazing so uh yeah there's always been this interest in uh, in going to germany That's very cool. I mean, like, you know, at some point <laughs> after everything has settled down in our world and we can finally travel again and we potentially also have like the German book fair. We have got two very big book fairs in Germany. Then, you know, when, when you can actually travel to Germany and also potentially see those, one is in Frankfurt, which is actually fairly close to where I live and where I work. So like when it, it is happening, I with like a few of my friends, we always love going there because you experience so much outside of of the bookstore you know because bookstores are like so limited in terms of space so they can never like have everything that you could potentially explore even just from one genre so going to the book fairs it really expands on the one hand your knowledge of what is going on publishing wise but also You, it really opens you up to all those different countries and that every country has got their own like author scene, their own bookish scene of what is important to them and what they are currently publishing and what topics are like the big thing at the moment in there. So I always find it very fascinating when you 
also look at other countries. So it's very, very yeah, exciting for me to have someone from... Because here in Germany, what happens a lot as a reader, and this is also something that we talk about over in the episode on your podcast, is that as a reader that grows up with a language that is not English, of course, because you get it taught in school, at some point you look to... English media, may it be film or may it be books, for example. But to see or to meet someone who grew up with the English language and has got all of those varieties of different media, but then decides to like go more into a niche, into a niche market, which I mean, the German market, there are just a couple of countries in the world who speak some sort of German. So yeah, I would say we definitely are more of a niche market when it comes to the language, at least. But yeah, this and this is very exciting to meet someone who made that decision. So, but but of course, with your family background, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and I, my hope is that the books translate well. You know, I I was wondering, especially like, you know, having most of my books are set in America. You know, so I was wondering, like, well, do German readers care that these books are set in another country? Does that make it? Is that more of a draw? You know, does it make any difference at all? So that was that was one of my concerns. And then the big concern was not being able to check the translation myself because my German is so poor. Uh, so I was like, okay, hopefully these people did a good job of translating it and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this is something that is interesting for everyone who is listening. Usually, like when you come together, for example, for a podcast and you want to do a collaboration, before you actually meet and do the recording, there's usually some stuff happening in the background. And in our case, it was that when I heard that Mark is an author, I was like, okay, of course, I mean, I love reading. I definitely want to read something from his portfolio. And so I was asking him because he does suspense. He, as he already said, loves fiction on the one hand. So everything from sci-fi, horror, and of course, suspense, but then also the non-fiction stuff. And I was asking for something that is also translated into German, but something that is not too much horror because everyone who knows me knows that I'm a giant chicken. So everything that is horror from you know the side of like for example it by stephen king or everything that is like very supernatural i'm, I'm really creeped out by that <laughs> but the book from mark that he recommended to me which i think is also a great introduction to his portfolio because if i could read it then everyone can read it because i really am scared of like scary stuff so the book that he recommended was bright side and especially for someone like me who likes the x-men and like marvel and dc and that stuff it was a nice starting point because one of the main plot lines is our main character who has grown up and has got telepathic abilities and we on the one hand see him as a child growing up and what it brings into his life that suddenly he does not have that childlike innocence anymore that he can just pretend yeah mommy loves me daddy loves me well um Yeah, when, when you hear the every thought of your parent, when you hear every thought of your neighbor, your classmates, your, I don't know, school teachers, when you hear everything unfiltered, you get a very hard look at the world, how it really is. Because usually, like, in, we feel very comfortable in our thoughts. We think that we are alone there. But when you're suddenly not alone anymore and you don't know, of course, you don't 
you don't filter it through but he as a very young child grows up with that knowledge and you really see him also what it does to him as an adult and and this was something that i really really enjoyed about the novel because it takes that whole idea of yeah i can read people's thoughts which to be honest if you would have asked me and <laughs> the funny thing is we actually talked about this in the other episode that if you would have asked me i don't know two weeks ago before i had known the book i would have said like yeah telepathic abilities super cool definitely give me that but now i would be like no thank you <laughs> take it take it to someone else or or better never give it to anyone <laughs> we're all safer when no one has that ability so yeah I really, really enjoyed it so far. I'm not totally through. I'm 120 pages through. But what I really loved to see, which was actually the first time that I did it, was that I read a small portion in German and then just progressed the book in English because I can read it from the original text. So why would I read it in German? But this really made me think like, wow, <laughs> Mark created something in English and it was translated into German, which is like, as I said, more of a niche market. So yeah, having Mark on this podcast was very, very exciting for me. And I think what's also exciting for my audience is when we like get to know a little bit more about Mark. I mean, we already know that he has a cat. He has got more than one cat, which also got me very excited. And we also know now what he is planning out for the future. But Mark, as I already said, you are a sci-fi and horror author. And one thing that I was always really wondering, because I know that I'm too scared to read scary books, but I find it fascinating that people are able to create this atmosphere of horror just through written word. I think this is something very, very fascinating. So I wanted to ask you what inspired you to go into that genre. I mean, you already said that you have a wide variety. You don't just write horror. You have got many different genres that you sort of cover, which I also find very interesting that you don't have just like that one niche, but that you actually have a very broad portfolio. So it's very easy for people to just pick a starting point from there but what really inspires you on writing that and do you have a book where you're like okay this is so scary like I really admire the author for being able to create that atmosphere just through writing well um I believe I got that from Stephen King I think I think Stephen King is what gave me the desire to write so reading his books early on probably shaped me as far as where my ideas came from and why they're so dark i've i've all i've questioned that a lot <laughs> um i've even gotten to therapy about it be like because i've had dark thoughts for a very long time and just very very dark thoughts that i didn't think i should be having And that might have been from watching horror movies too young or, or, or violent action movies. And, and then I got into very angry and aggressive music like uh, heavy metal. And so I think all these things probably just fed that, that darkness, you know, the dark lyrics in, in the songs and, and then what I was reading. And so when I started writing, it just was coming out kind of dark and, uh, 
And I just went with it. And, and I, I've now realized how much of it is just, you know, it's just a catharsis. It's I've had, uh, you know, really bad uh, nightmares most of my life. And lots of times I'll just turn those into the short story. So I already have these ideas. They just come to me kind of as uh, visuals or movies, maybe. And then I just put them to the paper and I realize how much that helps me. I think what it really comes down to is the fear of death that we never talk about. You know, no one, no one really likes to talk about their own mortality. I think, uh, you know, maybe my fear of death is greater than others. I, I don't. I think I have a pretty good understanding of it and, and, and comfortable with it. But I believe that's probably the reason where, or, or where most of this writing comes from, is just that fear um, and why I explore death. I. I I don't have many stories that have a happy ending. And in fact, if you read Beyond Brightside, which is being translated now, that one, I'll let you know, <laughs> uh, that one doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. I can handle that. I, I've had my fair share of books without a happy ending. <laughs> okay. So for everyone who is interested, because as I said, I'm a huge chicken, but when you hear Mark talk about, of course, some of his other books, you would be like, Maraki, you would never be able to read that. But as I realized through reading Mark's book, there's actually a very big distinction for me when it comes to horror that is like supernatural, like, for example, It by Stephen King, or something that is declared as horror, but it is set, like, it is purely basically in our world of course in Brightside you've got the element of this main character and other characters who have the telepathic abilities but other than that it's very rooted in our world so there's no other crazy creatures running around but it's more about the horror so to say of what humans do to each other and the telepathic ability at least for me it was just a means of showing and illustrating what people do to each other but it really explores everything that people do in real life even though they don't have these abilities so it was really for me it was a bit like a society study so to say like of course you have got that that additional element with the telepaths but and this is also something that i wanted to ask you whether you factor in a lot of what is happening in our current world i mean of course for this story because it's so very rooted in our world it might be easier than for example in something that is completely fiction and very detached from what we already know but But do you really take stuff that is happening in our world and put it into your stories? Because from time to time, I really, when reading Brightside, because there is stuff happening with the government, for example, how they handle the telepaths when they realize that they are a part of their society and what they do to separate them from the rest, like through reading through that story arc to the point where I'm now <laughs> at 120 pages in, I really thought like, yeah, like, of course it's not the same, but in some ways I really see things that are happening now in the world. Do you do, you do that? Is that a big part for you? Yes, 100%. Um, I'm glad you got that. Uh, it really appears in, in 25 Perfect Days, which is my, my dystopian, Uh, almost every one of those stories was based off of a real-world event, and I probably just exaggerated it. Uh, with Brightside, I actually got the idea when I was sitting on the back porch with my wife, 
talking and I had a terrible, terrible, terrible thought. I don't think it was even about her, but it was just so dark and so terrible. Like if she had heard my thought, we probably would have been divorced. Um, and that's where the idea for Brightside originated. But then I realized I really liked the idea of, of looking at, you know, like uh, in America, we have the Japanese internment camps and um, and just looking at that. So I, I always try to look at, you know, the, the importance of civil liberties and, you know, how quickly we can we're, we're you know, willing to give them up and, and just how dangerous that can be, you know, because once you give up your, your liberties, uh, they're gone. And so that is always kind of in the back of my head and just uh, doing research on the dystopian book, I got to look at just how terrible so many governments have been, including the United States, uh, to its own people. And so there's definitely a lot of distrust there. And in Brightside, I, I tried to show not only not only did his government turn on him, but the society turned on these people. And, you know, is it, you know, is it the right decision? Are telepaths safe? Are they not safe? And, you know, that whole talk. But it really comes down to, um, yeah, it, it's a real look at our society and how we treat each other. And another thing that you mentioned on my podcast was about you really how how joe's parents how he was able to hear the the thoughts of uh, his parents and how hard that is and i like how you realize it's just an exaggeration it's like okay because there are a lot of parents that do say those things to their kids and so hopefully if any of those kinds of parents are reading this book they're like oh man like i actually say those things aloud uh, imagine how much it's devastating my kid so i really i really like thinking about just the power of the word and uh and, and just what it can do to someone like you can write someone a, a very short but meaningful letter that will stay with them forever or you can say you know you could also write a devastating one so uh words have a lot of power and uh, I, I like exploring them in my writing yeah yeah that is so so true like when you write how, how is your routine because for me for everyone who doesn't know like podcasting is not my main job i have like a full-time job not on the side my podcast is sort of on the side at the moment but i've got a full-time job so i usually record my podcast episodes before work so between 6 and 7 a.m so uh, yeah I, i know it's a very unholy time but the, and this is what really works for me in my daily life but for you as a full-time author what 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 is your routine like how do you get into the zone for writing your stories is it that you like you said you have nightmares and you you have a notepad next to your bed and you write down like a quick idea and then when you've got time you really jot out the idea like in more sentences or how do you approach writing a book because you've got so many different books you don't just you don't create one i don't know one world and you just expand the story there you've got so many different like storylines some are fiction some are non-fiction how do you keep them all together and how do they how do these stories keep coming to you and how do you put them into writing it can be very overwhelming that's one of the problems i've had um i recently just told someone <laughs> a, a reader came to me with an idea they're like oh i think you should write about this I was like, well, I have about 15 years worth of books already like that I'm working on. Uh, so I have at least 15 years ahead of me of stuff I need to complete. And trying to find the time to complete them, that is a problem. Uh, but that's one reason why I'm so excited about finishing the nonfiction book uh, this week, because now I can go back to fiction. 
Um, with the nonfiction, it was a lot easier for me just to pick it up and, and go into it whenever, you know, if I had 10 minutes of free time or 15 minutes, I could work on it a little bit. But with the fiction, I do need to get into the zone. I need to really focus. I carry a notepad with me everywhere. And so I'm always jotting down notes. But then generally what my routine is at nighttime after the kids are asleep, mm -hmm. I will just close everything off, have complete quiet and just go to work. Um, and it just lets me go into this imaginary world. And, um, and then I just start making it grow and grow and grow. Um, but uh, one, one of the books, I, I have a trilogy planned, um, a fantasy trilogy, and it's going to be my first, my first entrance into fantasy. I was a huge Lord of the Rings fan, uh, but I'm excited about that one because I'm actually writing it with my kids. Uh, like my, my daughter got to pick her character. She's, I, I have the whole uh, scene tattooed on my back. It took about uh, almost a, a hundred hours of tattooing. Uh, but my, my daughter is going to be like an elf on my uh, and she's gonna have a dragon my son got to pick his lion and he's gonna be more of a viking kind of kid but it's gonna be a lot of fun so i have that one to still write and so it, it's hard figuring out which thing i need to work on next mm -hmm. um especially like in the last two months i've probably had four four to five different short story ideas <clears throat> which I know will be really fun to write. I, I love writing short stories because they're nice and they're quick and I could get it done maybe in a week and just be done with it. But I've had to put all those on hold. I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything until I'm done with the nonfiction. And then I'll probably allow myself to play with one or two of those short stories. And then I'll jump into uh, book two in my Ain't No Messiah series. And that's, that's a five book series. So I still have four books left in that one. So I have a lot of writing ahead of me. <laughs> but it's so good that you've got so many ideas. I imagine that the worst thing, especially when you have all like, like your job, you already said you've got kids, so you've got a family that you have to sustain also through your work. And when your work is so centered around something creative, I can totally imagine how how much pressure it also is like on your art, on your work and how hard it must be for some authors who maybe might not have that many ideas to really come up with something that they are passionate enough to write about. I mean, it, it's one thing to be like, okay, I've got this idea, but is it really, is, is the idea enough to pull it through and really make it into a book, make it into a series possibly. I mean, when you say um, you want to expand into fantasy and you've got like an, a trilogy planned, of course this is like with fantasy and fantasy is like one of the genres that I read mostly. Of course, most of the time you have a series. Like <laughs> the fantasy standalone is more of a unicorn <laughs> in our world, mm. to be honest. So. I can totally imagine how, how on the one hand, it can be totally overwhelming to have got so many ideas and to really filter what is enough to put it in a story. But on the on the other hand, I really, I, I really am happy for you that you've got so many ideas and you apparently are not as stuck with the idea. Oh my God, what can I somehow <laughs> write next? And you've got so much that you really can can choose from that. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't want to say that the one problem, so to say, is better than having the other problem, but <laughs> at least no, you've got I, a, lo a lot of a lot of good starting ground. 
Yeah, no, I I actually love the problem and I love your perspective on it. And because and I didn't even mention, but I also have my Try Not to Die series, which is like the old choose your own adventure books. I don't know if you had them in Germany, but every couple pages you get to choose what happens. Yeah, um, we had in, them. In oh, my, good times. Did you? Yeah, I, I, I love those. But in my series, there's only one correct way. And then every time you pick wrong, you die. So you can... You can die a lot, uh, but I co-authored those books. Right now we have three out. The last one was Try Not to Die in the Pandemic. Um, but uh, like this year we're having one that's uh, Try Not to Die in the Wizard's Tower, which is about uh, like Dungeons and Dragons type fantasy. And then we have uh, Try Not to Die Super High. Uh, I have, so there's probably about another 15 books that are gonna be coming out in that series as well. But the nice thing with that is I have co-authors on those that are really, some of them, Sometimes we split the work. Sometimes I just tell them, hey, write as much as you can. Give it to me. I'll edit it. So, uh, But it is it is a nice feeling that I'm never going to have a shortage of work. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I believe they can all do well. And as long as I'm excited about the idea, you know, then I was like, okay. Because I'm, I'm writing for myself. I hope mm-hmm. I hope readers will really enjoy it. But I honestly, like, I'm, I, I don't write something that I think readers are going to love is like, I, I, I just have to write what I feel is true and real and, you know, the story that comes to me. I mean, I think this is really the best approach. I mean, there's like for every book that you put out, of course, there will be some people who really love it, but there might be also some people who don't really vibe with it. And that's totally fine. I mean, I've had my fair share of books that are, of course, like probably amazing to a lot of people where I was like more indifferent towards them for whatever reason. Maybe it was not the right moment in time for me. Who knows? But when you really write or do art of whatever sort for yourself, then it's so much more natural. And the people who enjoy your art really see the person behind it shine through and i think this is so it's so much better to really give the people who enjoy your work this more immersive feeling because they also start to get to know the author and also really see that your work is genuine rather than try to please everyone because this is not happening <laughs> to be re- very realistic what you what you mentioned concerning the books where you die if you make a wrong decision i really have to check those out i really loved those stories when i was growing up where you had those different endings we had them especially with more of a detective focus but of course like everything adventure we also had in the german market but what you said with the different like variations and you have to find the way through it really reminds me i I don't know do you play video games perchance Uh, yeah a lot okay okay so you probably i would be really surprised if you wouldn't know it but then you know until dawn Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is an extreme until dawn vibe that I get from there. So because my fiance and I, we like he really loves video games, and I, I have to admit, I'm more of the backseat gamer. I enjoy seeing him play the games but with until dawn like at first because i am such a chicken we were debating okay is this like safe territory that i can go on or is it too scary already and i think it took it took like two years two and a half years in our relationship until we were like okay now now i've seen enough now i can handle until dawn and because we really really enjoy it i think this is definitely something that yeah this is something that i 
need to check out in the future. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's one and one funny thing is I can't watch uh, violent and I, I don't like watching horror movies. I don't like watching really scary video games. Uh, I'm I'm a giant chicken. I know you said you were, um, but yeah, it's it's funny. Most people are really surprised by that, but I I think I have I enough too. like bad images <laughs> in my mind. Like I don't need any more. You, you know, I think maybe like, this is also something like before we, we went into this collaboration, I was speaking to my fiance and I was talking about everything that like we could potentially talk about and what were some questions that I had in my head. And he was because he plays also scarier video games and also can watch scarier movies and series than I can. For him, he it's hard to to grasp that people that some authors have the ability to create this feeling of horror just with written word rather than if you also have sound and also have visuals. So I can totally imagine that people who who read something because of course like maybe maybe I should do this as like a little experiment. Like for everyone who doesn't know I hate clowns. I'm totally afraid of clowns. It ah, cl clowns are horrible. So maybe I should read it by Stephen King and try to tone it down in my head to a version that I can read and put in my head and it's not as scary for me. I don't know, maybe like a cartoon version or something. <laughs> but, but but I think if if... Because I could probably never dream it up in like in a way how it would be in the movie you know <laughs> because my brain would mm -hmm. just be like uh-uh Marika, we we know you wouldn't be able to sleep tonight we're not doing that we're just doing the nice comic thing uh we're not going there <laughs> so yeah maybe i should do that as an experiment but i can totally imagine how having that input with visual and also with video games it's a totally different thing because you are like you are directing the character so you are making the decisions on where to go and when there's a jump scare or you i don't know your head gets chopped off then it's all on you so the like there's a sort of very different tension than if you're just on your couch hiding behind i don't know a cushion or something you have to be very active so this yeah it's it's a very different way of being immersed so i can totally get why people who on the one hand maybe love to read horror or something of that genre might be a little bit yeah also <laughs> afflicted by being a little bit scared when it's hitting with a little more sense than just seeing the written word <laughs> but what i also was wondering you have children like you already said and I mean, of course, like Bright Side, it's definitely not a book that has child appropriate content, <laughs> but Correct. like it, it's not it, it's not the horror that you would go to bed and would get like crazy nightmares from it. But in general, like when your children ask, Daddy, what have you been writing all day? <laughs> what do you answer them? I, I remember when I was in China, I was reading Game of Thrones and I had like my, um, my student, my English student, um, she was asking me, Marika, what are you reading? And she was 10 and I was reading Game of Thrones and I was like, okay, it, yeah, it, it's a book about dragons. 
<laughs> which is of course like it's part of the truth but it's maybe like one percent of the truth but i was not sure how much i could disclose without scarring her for life <laughs> so what 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 do you say to your kids like or, or do they even like are they like oh when i grow up i want to read daddy's books i don't know i remember maybe i imagined this in like a, a very funny way but what is that like <laughs> I'm I'm pretty open with my kids. We have a uh, I have a very dark sense of humor, uh, so I generally will tell them like a story idea and gross them out by it. Um, my I haven't let my daughter read Bright Side. She she reads like crazy. She goes through especially fantasy books. She probably goes through maybe two books a week, um, maybe more. And uh, I let her read 25 Perfect Days only for her to tell me she didn't really care for it. <laughs> so uh, after that, I was like, you know what? You don't read anything else. Um, but with uh, with Try Not to Die, one of my one of the favorite things I do with that, whenever the book is first coming out, I run all the decisions by my son. Uh, and so I'll, I'll tone it down, of course, but I'll give him three choices. I'll tell him what's happening. I'll read him the three choices and I'll let him, you know, pick. And then I'll tell him whether or not he died and how he died. Uh, so we just kind of make light of it. Uh, and my daughter said that she's she's interested in becoming an author. I'm hoping I'm hoping that her writing that we'll do together uh, will really you know motivate her mm -hmm. um so not only do we have the the fantasy trilogy uh but also in doing a try not to die that's set in my dystopian world 25 perfect days and she's helping me write that one as well so um yeah i figure you know i don't know what age is appropriate this this is something that i always have a problem with when i'm at book festivals because i'll have young kids come up to me and want to buy uh, my horror books oh. <laughs> and I'll, i'll always ask them i'm like well where's your parent you know let me you yeah. know if, if your mom's here you know we'll talk about what's appropriate or not but i don't feel right you know selling it to someone that's too young um but then i think back okay what was i reading at that age and you know what am i what was i watching on tv and so uh but yeah they they, they know they they know their dad is a little messed up in the head and writes some pretty gory stuff but i love that your daughter is so much into reading i don't know how how old is she Uh, she just turned 13. Okay, okay. And your your son is probably like younger. So I, I Yeah, he he's about to turn eight. Okay, okay. So what I really love seeing is that even like even if they can't read your stories right from the start, I think it's super important that children grow up with the knowledge that somewhere out there there's a book that they will love i think is it, like what i really learned from my journey is that along the way through school or that you simply it, it doesn't really have to be school but maybe also just that you don't have a lot of friends who also like reading that simply don't have the same interest as you and all of that in the process of growing up can discourage you so much to go on with the hobby you had i was always i, I talk about this in in like previous episodes on my podcast but i think it's appropriate to mention it here again i i think it's so important important to 
Like, I was so lucky because I always had people around me that loved reading. I had my mom who loves reading, who also took me to bookstores. I was sometimes a little bit overwhelmed because I was in the bookstore. There was so much to choose, but I didn't really know what I liked. So, but, but I always, like, I loved going there because it was, like, so many different options. And I could just try out whatever I wanted and see whether I finally found something that I would like. But, and, and also then throughout school, I always had some friend around me who liked to read, but usually they liked genres that I was not super interested in. Or maybe at that time, I simply didn't have the brain capacity to handle reading all of our school reads in the three different languages. Plus, I don't know, doing and, you know, having a social life and doing your homework and going to the, the musical theater after after school and, you know, preparing and doing dance choreographies and stuff. So whatever you do, like there's so much that you pack into your day and there's so much along the way of growing up that discourages you from following along with reading. And I think it's so important to, even though you might hit a point in your life where reading is not like the biggest hobby that you have like it was with me at some point maybe you come across that one story or that one book that really really pulls you into that habit again and i really love seeing it with young people growing up either that they <laughs> that they just love reading so much that they do it throughout their whole like journey of growing up and you can really see from the content they consume of how they have grown and like looking back there's like I mean everybody knows Twilight and of course I, I mean it's very questionable like looking back I would not encourage women to ever think that this relationship was in any way beneficial to anyone but like back back then as a young girl it was fun to read but you know looking back it, it was that very weird time where you read something I don't know three months ago and, and it was technically still a children's book but then at some point in your brain it makes click and you start reading twilight and then suddenly you are in this very different stage so from the content that you read you can really see how your child is growing up and i always like i don't have children but i always imagine that to be something like especially as an author something very very exciting to see how your children grow through the content they consume i and maybe I'm romanticizing this, but I think, like, for me, it always seems like something that is very enjoyable to watch. No, I, I think you're 100% right. I love seeing uh, how much my daughter loves to read. And we are able to see where she's at emotionally by which book she's ready to read. Uh, my wife does an excellent job of sharing books with her. Lots of times she'll read the book first. And then that way we, they could talk about it and she'll warn her ahead of time, like, oh, there's this one scene, you know, where it's a little sexual and you might want to skip that. Or if you want to read it, we could talk about it. Uh, so it is great to be able to see, I mean, just how wonderful reading is in general. And you know, that's one of the reasons why I was probably drawn to your podcast in mm -hmm. the first place. Just, just the name of it, uh, because I forgot how much... My parents, would, my mom would take me to the library all the time. Uh, my brothers and sister, we would always go there. We were reading all the time. They encouraged it. Um, and that's what I did with my daughter. With my son, 
I haven't done as much. He still reads a bit, but it's it's very hard to uh, get someone to read when all they want to do is play video games. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're working on that. But yeah, it is it is amazing to see, and it's cool to see w- that they can develop their own interests, their own style, their own, you know. And that's one thing I tell my daughter is like, the more you read, the better the writer you're going to become because you're going to read good writing, and you're gonna you're gonna see what you like and what you don't like, and you're gonna develop your own voice by doing so. So I do think it's amazing. Definitely. Like just the thought of you writing like a fantasy story with your daughter, especially when it's the genre that she really loves. This and that's such a great idea. Once it comes out, you definitely have to tell me so that I can check it out. Oh yeah, no, I I will send that to you. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already plotted it out, and and that's what was nice too. I, I'm telling her, I'm like, look, I was like, you're the expert in this field. I was like, I need to come to you with my questions about dragons. I was like, I don't know anything about dragons, and so um, I think it's I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I really really hope that you enjoy this project. Just the fact that you can make a whole like you can make your whole family part of it. It's something so special. Like when art is something that really defines you as a person, I think it's so special when you have got the possibility to really include the people that you love most and the ones that you hold the most dear into that. Yeah, I, I love it already. Please send it to me. Awesome. I, can't, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I definitely will. Cool. So do you have, like, before we close this episode, it was wonderful having you, wonderful talking with you about, like, what you think about writing, how you approach it in your daily life. Also great to know that you've got so many story ideas lined up that we will get a lot of Mark Julius content in the future. That's very great to know. I will let you know once I finish Brightside what I thought about it. But do you have any famous last words for the audience of this podcast? I just want to thank everyone for listening. Um, I Yeah, I'm going to get it all out there in German, but everything is available now in English. If people do want to check out my English uh, books, they're all on Amazon. People, I, I love connecting with different people on social media. We have a Facebook, a private group called... Um, Dark and Disturbing Fear-Filled Fiction. So I run that. So if anyone wants to come and talk about scary books or anything like that, please come over and join us and mention the podcast. That'd be awesome. Cool. Where can people find your podcast? Uh, it is on, It's Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. That is on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much everywhere you could find podcasts. And the episode with you will be coming out on Friday. So I think the What day is that? Well, you'll be coming out soon. That'll be episode 107 so they could hear us talk a little bit more, which I thought was an excellent, excellent conversation. <laughs> Thank you. It was so much fun. Also recording other episodes. So everyone check out episode number 107 and also a few of Mark's other episodes. Thanks so much, Mark, for being on the podcast. And until next time, I hope that we discover the words on our shelves and in our hearts. Bye. because we we had quite long episodes i think we were talking for like three and a half hours like of course not individually oh, wow. but oh there was the cat oh yeah he's awesome he, he likes being on my shoulders he was on the shoulder my shoulders for lots of the conversation <laughs> Oh, I regret not having the video, but to be honest, if he would have been on there, if I would have seen the video, I could not have concentrated on the podcast. Yeah. So it's probably better.